Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long distance besties everywhere. I'm Amina Tuso. And I'm Ann Friedman. On the agenda this week, uh, how to start a long distance friendship, uh, a question from two wide eyed 22 year old besties. What happens when women are mansplainers? A shine theory dilemma. What to do when your work self and your internet self don't match up? Uh, an office style conundrum. Oof. And uh, iPhone red receipts and why they're terrible. Oh, so terrible. <laughs> uh, I've been on vacation and I'm still in London. This is my last day in London. And Amina, you are like hours. You've just been back in San Francisco for mere hours, right? Yeah, I got off a plane at 11. I also flew into a different airport that I flew out of. That's always fun when you don't know that that's going on. (laughs) (laughs) Landed on the wrong side of the bay. (laughs) Yeah, Oakland Airport. Very nice. Uh, Just, you know, a little further away from my house. So many reader questions. I'm super excited about this. Also, can um, I just say, like a couple of episodes deep, I'm also like shocked and touched by how many long distance besties there are out there. Oh my god, there's so many long distance besties. Like it makes me sad, you know, because I just want everybody to live together and just be able to sit on each other's couches and watch YouTube. But <laughs> also, I guess it's exciting for us, huh? But yeah, there's international besties, just like super duper, like it's, yeah, it's insane. Okay, so probably a great question to start with is one from Victoria, listener Victoria, not reader Victoria. (laughs) Listener Victoria asks, (laughs) do you guys have advice for two wide-eyed 22-year-olds on maintaining long-distance friendships? She is on the brink of her first long-distance bestie situation. Oh, man. Um, one, you're going to be okay. <laughs> well, you're going to be okay. If you We're hugging you effort. over the internet right now. Hugging you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're going to be okay if you put in some, you, you know, you got to put some effort in. I. Uh, this is going to sound a little calculated, right? But I think that you kind of, when you have long distance friendships, like you need like short term and long term goals. So it's how do I, how do I make my friend feel awesome slash remember me? And I think that it's the same thing that you do when they're near you, right? It's like you you prioritize them, you send them great little packages, and you're a great package sender. You're like, a great package cra- sender. Hey, thanks. Well, you know, maybe that's why it works out for us. You like send like A plus plus gifts, like every well, we time have different you pop styles. Up in my... It's true, but every time you pop up in my mailbox, I just feel like a million dollars. So that's pretty awesome. I feel like you're better at the the random like sent from the internet gift where I think I bought something drunk and then I realize it's from you. Like that time you sent me a trash can. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very nice trash can. Simple human, y'all. They're they're everywhere. (laughs) I know. Also, you know, like not to pat myself on the back, but it was one of those like, you know, like pro boyfriend moves where it was like, oh, 
Anne has been talking about this for a long time, and I noticed on my last trip that maybe she needed one, and then, you know, like... <laughs> right. I have the disposable income of, like, a nine-year-old with a rich dad, so I can afford to buy you, simple human. <laughs> <laughs> It's true. And I feel like I'm much more of like a like a mom sending you care package while you're away at camp. Like I'm like, here are a bunch of little things I collected together and put in a box for you and then decorated with vintage wallpaper and mailed to you. <laughs> Very different. Than- but one time you sent me like I needed one of those care packages. I was dying of like, I don't know, like swine flu or something. And I got a package from you. It took all my energy to get to the door to get it. But when it came, I like ate all those snacks. I was like, I'm done with antibiotics. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was when now. you had your iron deficiency. And I went to Whole Foods and bought all the iron heavy snacks. Turns out many are gluten free. That was not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, also you bought me meat. That beef jerky was delicious. I was actually <laughs> okay. embarrassed. I was like, when the meat went through the checkout, I was like, oh, my God. I, like, well, they know. It was almost like it was like buying like something illicit. <laughs> <laughs> bought so much That's why I know you love me. Anyway, um, Victoria, you're going to be just fine. The other thing, though, that is different, I think you have to be very vigilant about not getting jealous of new IRL friends, understanding that you want your friend to have an awesome in-person support group and social network, and, like, you are irreplaceable, <laughs> and try not to sort of see it as, like, a new life versus old life or new friends versus me kind of thing, as opposed to, like, you know, everyone's friendship network is expanding. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's, you know, that's so true about the jealousy thing. I kind of, I hadn't really thought about that, but I'm always, whenever I see that you have new friends, I guess online, um, I'm always like, hmm, those are potentially my friends too. So I get excited that, that you know, the web just gets bigger. Yeah. And like, let's be real, not just potentially, but like practically, I think every friend I've made in LA has become your friend too. Pretty much. Hallelujah. I know. I can't wait for my San Francisco base to expand now that you're there. <laughs> uh, don't. I'm, I'm working on it so hard, and don't even worry. Building the NorCal network. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, yes, I'm building our... Um, I'm building the NorCal tech corridor for us. Oh, my Don't God. Worry. I'm working on it really hard. I'm going to make you lady friends who make robots and shit. It's going to be great. <laughs> yes. The next question is, maybe you want to read this one um, uh, about, it's it's the first one I sent you on that email about from James. Oh, great. So, um, listener James, not reader James. <laughs> we'll get used to that one day. My best friend is amazing. She's one of the most badass people I know, but I think she might be a mansplainer. Can women be mansplainers? <laughs> For example... I will be hanging out with her and friends who are also queer slash trans slash women slash feminist. Ah, you have the best friends, James. And someone might mention and someone might mention some shitty misogynist thing that some man we know did. 
And she almost always takes on this weird devil's advocate role and tries to justify why they did it slash why they are a jerk. What's up with this? I've tried to call her out on it, but then more mansplaining happens. Help! I feel like this is the perfect place to denounce women to um, to discuss women who denounce feminism. That was my note to Amina in in the. Can email. you tell that I'm like just got off a plane? I like can't read. <laughs> <laughs> you are tired. I don't think women can be mansplainers just by the like, like what the word looks like. But women can be assholes. I hate argumentative friends. That this is one thing that I will say. Like people who are compelled to be like, um, what's the word? Yes, argumentative or play devil's advocate. In my life, those people tend to be libertarians where mm. they're always like, hmm, let me let me tell you about this different perspective that I have. And I was like, no, no, I've thought about that too. It just sounds like you're a jerk. <laughs> DC problems. That's a DC problem. I know, right? DC, yes, DC political scene problems where it's like, no, that's not an original idea. It's like you are like don't have a heart. Um, well, now I've just like rallied all of libertarian base against me. It's okay. I will, I'll work on this. We'll read some of the hate mail next episode. What do you think, Anne? I don't know. I definitely think there is a certain type of woman who, like the woman in question, who sort of feels the need to say like, look, you know, I agree with you in principle. I'm totally a feminist. I'm totally like a queer ally, whatever. But just like, I don't know, like think of the men, (laughs) you know, like, but I'm, but I'm a more, I'm a kinder, gentler type. A part of me sympathizes with that. It's like, yeah, you know, like, I mean, stop, let me finish. (laughs) (laughs) I was just about to say, not, oh my God, you just Kanye Wested me. Oh my God. I'm, I'm, you're not going to let me finish, but not all straight men are the enemy. (laughs) And I think that sometimes this attitude comes up as a way of like, driving home that point to people who probably already understand it. How does James put it here? Some shitty misogynist thing that some man we know did. It's like, you know, people who are not terrible people do shitty misogynist things sometimes, right? And so it's like, there's a certain personality type that always wants to point out, not all men are terrible or not all straight people are terrible. And it's like, yeah, we get it. We know. Sometimes it's like more pernicious than that, like especially in... I don't know, more mainstream spaces, like at work or something. I feel like it's much more like a cover your ass kind of thing. Like, oh, yeah, like I'm a feminist, but I'm not a scary feminist. Like I actually, (laughs) you know, I'm not going to call anyone out on anything, which is super, super annoying. But I I think that your original read on this was, was kind of right, just that there are some people who, even among friends, just love to argue. You know, the fact that he brings up almost always takes this weird devil's advocate role is like, mm, <laughs> you know, like if, if you're the one who's always like, you know, but but think of the men's here in in a space where we're talking about one specific man, not all terrible men. Maybe you need to look at your life, look at your choices. Obviously, we need more information about this specific person. But I think that in general, it comes from this place of also you kind of want to show that you are a little like you're intellectually like more superior than people like oh yeah you know like you're not prone to groupthink here are all your amazing queer trans slash women slash feminist friends they all believe the same thing like god forbid you would believe the same thing as them right and i think that that's really hard when you're friends with somebody so i usually have two ways of tackling this if the person is really genuinely like very important to me you know, if they were like a tier one, like 
inner call circle. from jail kind of friends, <laughs> then I would have a real talk. Because at the end of the day, it's not about the actual argument, right? It's about the fact that they're always argumentative. And I think that that's what the pattern is. It's not actually what you talk about. Because, you know, like, God forbid, like, mansplaining tear apart your relationship. I, like, I would hope that that would never happen. But also sometimes, you you know, like, you just look at people and you can't change them. And the only thing that you can change is how you react to it. And you have to make a really conscious decision not to be annoyed by other people for the sake of keeping the peace and, you know, just being cohesive in your, in, you know, like, in your friend group. And I think that that's also okay. Tough one, though. Tough um, one. Stay strong, James. Stay strong. Let's answer Jody's question. I sleep eat and live the shine theory but i'm having a slight conundrum no no yes i love the idea that you can eat shine theory does that mean like sharing your croissants sorry croissant <laughs> oh my god and you're saying it so wrong it's so offensive to me when people say croissant like no i mean that was done deliberately to provoke you but anyway oh god, eating shine you theory just, you, i love that you know where all my buttons are <laughs> There's a lady who lives in my city, runs in the same circles as I do, and does similar work. We had a brief online friendship, but right before she became successful, I found out some things about her and her integrity that made me want to distance myself from her. She definitely lied about some things that her work is focused on and has straight up plagiarized some things. So I distance myself, but people keep trying to introduce us or assume we don't know each other and should. It's awkward and I don't know how to handle it. How can I handle this graceful as all hell? I've already tried asking myself what Beyonce would do. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like Beyonce would probably like call her out and throw her off a bridge. So maybe like we're not going to do the Beyonce thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, this is an man. Our listeners have like tough questions. You know, it doesn't matter how many times someone tries to introduce you. You can just say, Oh, yeah, we've met. Thanks so much for making the intro, but we actually already know each other, you know, which is the truth. 100% agreed with your take on that. That's it. Like, maybe you have to answer that question 25 times. Fine. So be it. I actually think, given the tone of the question, that you don't feel compelled to sort of, like, call her out or make a big public show of it, which is totally fine to sort of keep whatever information you have that makes you not want to be her bestie. Keep that to yourself. And just sort of politely decline every time someone wants to put the two of you together. Again, given the tone of the the email, I'm sure you're on perfectly fine terms. Like, you are good acquaintances. If you bumped into her somewhere, you could, like, make small talk and whatever. I don't know. I feel like the lesson about friendships, we're always sort of telling people to how to take it to the next level and get to know people better. But the point is, like, if you don't work at it, it'll just stay at this acquaintance level of stasis. You know, it's like you won't actually get to know her any better or be any closer. So I think the point is, like, do nothing and sort of politely lie when people ask you. Well, I 
Alicia asks, let's see. I've become somewhat known for my writing and distinct point of view online. Go, girl. Awesome. However, I have found that keeping a personal blog in which I discuss workplace dynamics, the good, the bad, and the ugly from my own experience, has only caught my employer's attention in a bad way. I've been approached multiple times throughout my career to edit or delete a post because an employer doesn't feel comfortable with what was discussed. Luckily, I've never been fired for writing a post, but it feels like a constant tug-of-war of wanting to be transparent about the issues I'm facing, while also keeping a job I do like but may have struggles with. Long story short, how do I maintain my personal blog with integrity without losing my job? Oof. Uh, <laughs> you know, this was my struggle for a long time. Oof. I know. I mean, it kind of still is my struggle. Ooh. It sounds to me like Alicia probably also works in PR slash marketing slash communications because I feel like these sorts of issues always pop up in those industries <laughs> where um, I also had a job where I kind of caught my employer's attention because I was, you know, like I was doing a blog that was like kind of weirdly locally successful and just had a reputation of being good on the internet but as soon as you cross over to that corporate place, then they want you to use that for them and not for yourself anymore. <laughs> right. They want to kill your shine. <laughs> no, you know, right? They want to kill your shine. But, you know, I think that at the same time there is, and I think that a lot of people will not agree with me on this, but I do think that it is really important to be conscious of your um, external internet output, like depending on where you work from, because whether you want it or not, it it's not that it reflects on your employer, but like when shit hits the fan, it's like all of the ammo that people will use to just like kind of destroy you. And so it's something that you should always be conscious about. Right. What ammo have you supplied other people with? I never talk about my blog or my Twitter or whatever at work because I was so paranoid that my coworkers would find out and see it. And, you know, and then there's also the truth of sometimes. I did that stuff at work, you know? It's like, hi, I put out this, like, very lowly blog post, but that was definitely, like, 30 minutes of my employer's time. And I think that it's fair for your work to be like, hey, like, when you're on our time, you're on our time, and when you're not on our time, you can do what you want up to a limit, you know? Like, it sucks, but welcome to at-will employment. Some employers make you sign something that says... Um, especially in a lot of creative like agency environments, will make you sign something that says everything you create, even if it's not during work hours, during the time that you're employed here, like is the intellectual property of your employer. Like some places actually make you sign that. Well, not some places. I would say most places and not even like creative places um, <laughs> make you sign that. But it's okay. I talked to my lawyer about it. It's serious, but it's not that serious. I was given like, one of those once, and I just put it in a drawer and was like, I'll bring it next week. And I said that for like 10 weeks. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that that makes sense, like, at a tech company. But, you know, when I was working at my PR agency, like, you're not going to take my amazing blog inventions away from me. Hmm. I think that the way that you kind of navigate this is that you, you need to have a come to Jesus with yourself about what it is that you actually want to do and come up with like a plan to do that, right? It's like if you want to be somebody who is more externally facing or whatever, you need to, during the interview process, when you're going through these places, you need to be able to ask that and feel good about it. 
don't hide who you are because at the end of the day also it'll create this like double identity for you at work that is really hard to shake right and just create it's like a constant you know it's yeah. I, I love what she says about the constant tug of war of wanting to be transparent and like keeping a job you know but like right. you you struggle a lot and I think that it happens it happens to a lot of us and as I think that as you kind of progress in your career you find better ways to do that but I think that eventually you have to be you have to be really honest with yourself right it's like what's more important to you is it like this job and this paycheck and what all of that does for you or are there like you know do you want to be more creative do you want to be more externally facing and I think that you need to be able to ask your employer that and and say it to them in a way that's not threatening. Yeah, I mean, and I can see why there would also be legal concerns if you're writing about workplace dynamics under your real name, and it'd be really easy to find out where you work. Like, you know, I mean, it's hard because it's like, I, I think there should be great blogs about workplace dynamics that are rooted in real workplaces that aren't newsrooms <laughs> written by people who have experience there but like you know it is true from an employer perspective like it does not make much sense to let that to let that happen so yeah good call do some soul searching and yeah you know do some soul searching i'm not saying like quit your job tomorrow but um you know like make the job that you want and figure out like a different way to get there because i think that what you do is good and it's important and clearly you've gotten recognized for it so uh yeah. here at uh call your girlfriend we're all about monetizing your passion projects and turning your hustle into like real work and so, turning your friendships into your hustle we just we just yeah all and over turning the your friendships into your hustle <laughs> no it's true you know i think that that's how you get to work that's meaningful and good and want to get out of bed for god i've worked in so many offices and just done like ugh kind of work and this is like the first time in a long time where i feel like i am fully myself at work like i am 100 percent myself and i can't tell you how liberating it is oh that's awesome yeah and i was actually going to say that as well that if your work is getting enough attention to sort of attract some side eye from your employer, then maybe that attention is enough for you to turn into at least a part-time job that you could do in conjunction with something else. Like that is a great thing. The fact that your employer notices means that lots of other people do too. Next question, Anne. Hit me. All right. Danielle asks, a few episodes ago, you mentioned Ann Taylor-type clothing as being boring. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't remember that, but plausible. So what brands do you like or what people inspire you for work-related fashion? Speaking of monetizing our side hustle, wow, great, great opportunity well, here. <laughs> I am wearing an Eileen Fisher like twin set right now. So <laughs> I am wearing Uniqlo leggings and a very old t-shirt that says happiness is big bucks with a deer on it. 
<laughs> oh man, you know that's the one thing that I've always wanted to rob you of. You let me borrow that T-shirt for a weekend one time, and it almost didn't come back. It's my oldest, softest T-shirt, and it's just about to die. So I don't really know if I'm the biggest poster child for workwear, but um, you and your Eileen Fisher over there, <laughs> mom chic. Here's the thing with Ann Taylor type clothing. I don't think that Ann Taylor is generally boring. I think that people wear it to, depending on where you live. Like, we lived in D.C. for a long time. Eileen Fisher is like the uniform of ladies who just want to blend in and don't create problems. You know what I mean? It's like, I look like I took a shower today. I am smart. I am not going to cause you any problems with how I dress or what I say at this job. But I don't think that it's inherently boring. One of my favorite sweaters is from Ann Taylor. And whenever I tell people, they, like, don't believe me. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's all about creating your own color story. I um, So what brands do you like? What people do you in- inspire you? I don't know. Like, we're both, like, big thrifters. So I don't know that we're good for, like, talking um, brand brands, brands, brands. When I feel like I need to be put together in, like, conservative office environment, I like to check out Zara. H&M Studio makes some good work clothes as well. And yeah, but that's me because I'm, uh, you know, I'm Euro to the core, man. <laughs> I haven't had to wear business casual since my very first job out of school. Um, Biz cash. I mean, I mean, for real. And um, and when I was actually a boss, I wore jeans, ankle boots, silky blouse, statement jewelry every day. Like that was my I uniform. Mean, that's what I wear every day right now. Yeah, that's sort of like the tech media uniform. <laughs> Can I tell you that I was in a fake sorority in college and, um, well, it was a service group. It was a real sorority, and, be honest. I mean, it's not a sorority. We didn't have a house. Also, we like didn't have sorority type things. We were just really smart girls who liked community service and didn't know how to talk to boys. So we... <laughs> did this thing anyway the the dress code for texas spirits what's up texas spirits was uh (laughs) snappy casual and (laughs) i will say that to this day it's all i can think about when somebody says business casual i'm like no you want to be snappy casual describe snappy casual like what is the ur snappy casual outfit i would say j crew is like the embodiment of snappy casual J. Crew really branching out this season, though. I was in a J. Crew like earlier in the summer, and it, there was a rack of neoprene, and I was like, "Wow, Jenna Lyons meets '90s club." Like, <laughs> seriously, neoprene is having like a really big moment this Huge year. I was moment. at a wed- I was at a wedding this weekend, which is why I was out of town, and I was wearing a fabulous neoprene ensemble. Mm. Um, I was very happy with myself. I was like, anybody lights a match near me, and I'm like, God. But otherwise. This is comfortable as fuck. <laughs> you would melt. You wouldn't burst into flame. You would just melt slowly. And I don't know science. All <laughs> I know is that fire near neoprene's not good. Um, wait, but back to this workplace question, because I, I was having a conversation this weekend with a woman who is like a low-level associate at a law firm, and I was complimenting her on her nails, which were, um, I believe you would call them party nails, like gold glitter, fantastic. And she was like, party, 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 party. And then the next day they were definitely party too hard nails. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you're just cutting me deep because you know how my nails always look a mess. I mean, your nails have always partied really hard. I think it's actually a compliment. 
Anyway, so she was saying that how she had to take it off before she went into work the next week because she only wears like nude and whatever in her law firm because she's she feels like she's seen as sort of a frivolous, you know, college girl, even though she's in her late 20s. And um, and she mentioned there's this older woman in the firm who's always wearing like neon nails and is like a little bit more adventurous fashion wise. And I was sort of like, I feel like she's your cover. Like it's almost a responsibility of, of women who are in positions of more authority and power in a weird way to be a little bit more adventurous if they want to be and sort of expand the definition of what is acceptable in environments like that. Oh, weird. How serendipitous. So as you were talking, our good friend Shawnee Hilton just sent me an email about a chat that I did with her and a couple of lovely ladies at BuzzFeed, literally titled, How Are Women Supposed to Dress for Work? And I think that it's also important to, you know, like depending on where you work, is to take cues from other people where you work. Because at the end of the day, you just want to be comfortable in your own skin, right? Like, don't wear anything that you don't feel amazing and comfortable in. Like, just don't do that. And, you know, but also, like, follow your own arrow. Right. Out here giving country music uh, (laughs) lyric style advice. (laughs) Oh, my God. Follow your arrow. I didn't even understand that was a country reference. Do we answer that sufficiently? I don't even yeah, so basically, go to Zara, go to J. Crew, like, you know, whatever your budget can afford, look comfortable, look fabulous. I also do the thing where um, whatever woman is a- above me in, like, the org chart or whose job I want, I try to dress, like, slightly better than her. Wow, Amina, that is not very shiny. <laughs> No, it's not about competition. It's about making me feel better. Are you kidding? Yeah, like yeah. it's not like those women like don't ever notice you, right? I just want to be like I am I am dressed for success. I am prepped for success. I'm going to get there. And here the advice I was about to give was scarves. You know, I've always loved scarves. <laughs> <laughs> Queenie asks, Queenie, good Queenie, name. real name, amazing name. Ah, oh, Queenie, great name. Ugh, love it, love it. Can you guys please talk about uh, this word? I want to cut here and say that, first of all, they're not called read receipts. They're called red receipts. Right. Does the entire internet agree with me? They're red receipts, correct? Yeah, wait, yes. so just read it as red receipts. Okay, can you guys please talk about red receipts? I am pro red receipts, but I also have slightly OCD. More and more people are making a big deal about red receipts and how it can be manipulative in a relationship and friendship. I think red receipts are weird 
My whole point in not responding to people's text messages is either I haven't seen them or two, I just don't have the emotional capacity to deal with them right now. So I'm just not the core audience of turning on my red receipts. But when I see that somebody else has, it all, it usually just makes me laugh. It's like, okay, you've read my text and you're not acknowledging me. And that's, like, I mean, that's okay in many, many, many instances, right? It's like, if it's a friend, it's like, maybe she's busy. If it's a potential romantic interest, it obviously means that I am not a priority. And that is good to know as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I... Personally, I think everybody should turn them off. Like, people who turn them on clearly want to communicate <laughs> to you <laughs> that they're, you know, they're like, I see you and I've received you, but I can't take, like, 10 seconds to acknowledge that. So that's weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually don't really understand why. Like, I don't think there's any... I mean, she says, like, I'm slightly OCD, so I'm pro-red receipts, but... I, I don't really know what that means. Like, is that because you're worried? And OCD people don't have to justify themselves to you. My OCD manifests in the In red receipts? I delete, no, I delete text messages if I feel like the blue-gray ratio is too crazy. Oh, my God. Yeah. Listen, I don't have to explain myself to you. It's a sickness. You don't, okay? but that's like, a thing that doesn't affect anyone else. That just happens on your phone. That's your own business. That's the digital equivalent of behind closed doors. <laughs> Red receipts are, like, coming for other people. Yeah, I think people just, like, don't understand the point of them. I think that in a businessy context, they totally make sense, right? It's like, hey, I have read your, like, your message has been received and read, and I'll get back to you. In social settings, I'm, like... I'm like, I don't know why we do this to ourselves. Well, the thing is, everybody knows that sometimes people get texts and are like, I'll respond to that later. Like you said, like, I don't have the emotional capacity to deal with this or I'm busy or um, I don't know. I mean, I'm someone who like will ignore my phone for great stretches of time and then pick it up and respond to six text messages in a row. And other times I'll be in a mood and and I'll reply to everything right away. Like there's not, um, I don't know. And I don't like this idea that, the red receipt makes explicit something that we all understand anyway, which is that sometimes people take a while to get back to you over text message. Like, yeah, but do you realize that people don't accept that as truth? Like I take forever to get back to email. I'll take forever to get back to text because I'm on my own schedule and I don't care. But, um, God, I think it was in TechCrunch. There was this, like, TechCrunch article about red receipts a while back. And it said something like, red receipts don't leave much room for a, com- for a comforting imagination. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? And I think that that's the point. It's like when, like, if you're, like, you're into a dude or something and he doesn't text you right away, like, everybody's like, oh, my God, what if he's dead? What if, like, a truck hit him? What if? And I'm like, no, he... Like, what if he's just, like, busy right now? Or maybe he just doesn't want to text you back. Like, that's fine. Right. I, I mean, I'm of the, the point of view that unless, you know, you are a core, core person, any communication is, like, re- respond. I respond at, at my own pleasure and leisure. <laughs> you know? like, like 100. Yeah, 100%. But, it's, but again, it takes, like, a really secure, like not crazy person which that's you know there's like you and me and like 17 other people to to like be okay with that but what if like you know i've been really bad at email for the last year and i think that part of it is that is that i i want to train people to know that they're 
like I don't have to respond to you immediately. Like I have shit going on. And sometimes it like it takes a lot of effort, like even just to text somebody back. Maybe this is the conversation we should be having. Like instead of directing it at red receipts, <laughs> we can actually just say, look, like not everyone is compelled to reply to everyone immediately and that's okay. And the campaign should just be at your pleasure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's honestly like my biggest qualm with Apple like messaging products is the red receipt feature and it's the fact that people can see when you're texting. Like I think that is mm. really manipulative. Because, you know, sometimes I'll start texting and then I get distracted, like watching Bob's Burgers or something and I can't get back to you. And your text is just, uh... Yeah, or I'm like, my fat finger got caught on the keyboard and no, I'm in fact not responding to you. I just have fat fingers. Like, what what are you going to do? Right. I'm really glad that Queenie didn't ask us to, like, come to any conclusion other than just talk about red receipts. I really appreciate that. I know. Queenie... You are great. Your OCD is fine. Um, turn off turn your, off red, your receipts. red receipts. <laughs> turn them off. And when you're friends with people who have red receipts, like tell them they're crazy. Uh, um, well, I think that's the end of our questions. This was re- so. This was really, really fun. Um, maybe let's just stop reading the internet and just respond to questions all the time. Only read our inboxes for the for the yeah. Rest except of that also, I feel like I'm bad at responding to questions. I'm just like, follow your arrow, follow your arrow. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So thanks for listening, even when we haven't read the internet. Um, You can subscribe to Call Your Girlfriend on iTunes. Just search for Call Your Girlfriend. We pick questions from our email, which uh, our email address you can also find at callyourgirlfriend.com. And you you could tweet them to us as well at callyourgirlfriend. That's call Y-R-G-F. And uh, see you on the internet. See you on the internet, boo.